Hi, it's Lisa Morton here. I just wanted to say that we've been deeply saddened by the passing of Queen Elizabeth II. At a time when many of us have been in a reflective mood, I wanted to bring you this episode of We Built This City, because if there's one thing that our Queen symbolised more than anything, it's values. And the values you're going to hear about in this episode are no integrity slippage, planting trees you'll never see, and keeping it real. I hope you enjoy this episode of We Built This City. That's what he always says. He says, you're just a kid from Waverton Road and you're doing these things. Sometimes I forget that, but there are people that are growing up in England and in Manchester that do look like me, that are younger, that will see me possibly and go, oh, well, I could go on and do that. How, how do I do that? Meet Kyle Walker. Kyle is a presenter and reporter for Sky Sports. Before that, he worked at the BBC as a radio presenter at BBC Radio Manchester, and you may have seen him on Football Focus and Match of the Day too. He's still only 30, but he's achieved a lot already. When I spoke to him, I wanted to find out what it's like to represent Manchester on all these different media outlets. I also wanted to find out how to grab every possible opportunity that's presented to you, because that's just what Kyle's done. So, how do you go from Waverton Road in Fallowfield to presenting on telly? What mindset do you need to have? How do you keep your head in a notoriously fickle industry? I'm Lisa Morton and this is We Built This City. Kyle, welcome to We Built This City. Hello. Thank you for joining me. Uh, we've been trying to do it for some time now <laughs> and every time you say yes, something mega comes up yeah. and it's been great to track your journey. So we'll, we'll chat about that. First of all, you were born and bred Mancunian. Yeah. Born in Fallowfield. Yeah. Well, St. Mary's. Right. I mean, as a lot of people born in Manchester were, yeah, born in St. Mary's and then grew up in, well, at the very beginning, like Charlton, but my memories and my earliest memories is, yeah, M14, Fallowfield, which is a huge part of my upbringing where I grew up and kind of all those different tales and stories you've got of exploring as a kid with all your mates and stuff like that and what's great about it and I always say this when people say oh where are you from I say oh Fallowfield they say what where where all the students are from I say yes real people live there as well but it's great when you're 17 18 oh the amount of nights out and just parties and Loads of things that were fun and that I can't give all the detail of on here. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's just enjoyable when you're growing up because there are so many young people around and it's such a busy part of Manchester. So do you get involved in the whole student life there? You know, you talk about people who've born here, drawn here. You, were you involved in that whole mix? Yeah, in a weird way, because from being 17, 18, you're kind of out and about. And obviously at 18, you can only legally start drinking. So you find yourself in uh, these bars and clubs and you're just seeing so many different people that obviously people from all over, not just England, but the world travel to Manchester and travel to Fallowfield to study here and live here. So I think that's kind of something quite nice about this city and about Fallowfield is it's so eclectic. There's so many different people. The Sainsbury's in Fallowfield. I just remember being a kid and you just see everyone and you're like, what is this place? There's such a mix of people in pajamas to professionals to the doctors that were at Bodie where I go as well. Like it's kind of mad that you just see so many different people. So yeah, growing up is quite special because you just feel like you're seeing so many different types of faces here in Manchester. 
And on your Twitter bio, it says that um, you used to get told off for talking, <laughs> now I do it for a living. So yeah. what were you like as a young person growing up and what were you talking about? I'd say cheeky. I'm not sure all the teachers would agree or not. But I think from a very young age, and I'm talking primary school, I realised that I can talk and you can have fun. And my mum would always say it's the gift of the gab. Going to high school, teachers would tell me off for it, as I say there. But I quite, I realised quite young that if you talk to people, then you can resolve things. And I got into lots of arguments and they were arguments with teachers because they didn't like that I was talking but I wanted to talk. So I understand there's rules and you can't always do it. However, that was something I was quite passionate about and the teacher would just shout at me and instead I'd be like, well, let's have a conversation about this. What have I done wrong? And they didn't like that. Oh my gosh, the amount of times I got in trouble. And I'm quite lucky that I never got into serious trouble, but every parent's evening, it was Kyle's great, but he talks. Kyle's doing well in this, but he talks. Kyle enjoys this, but he talks. And yeah, I find it quite funny now that it's what I do for a living, I'd say. So yeah, it's quite nice kind of turnaround. And when I do see teachers <laughs> yeah. now, which I've seen a couple to be fair, um, it's one of those. And even though my job now is talking, I feel like that's always been part of kind of my journey as well, because I've not always been a presenter. I've run workshops, I've worked as a project manager for a charity that I'm a patron of. Um, I've led sessions and, and led assemblies and talks and everything like that and trained as an actor. So it kind of all feels like it's all rooted in communicating and in talking. And understanding people's stories, I suppose. You've obviously that curiosity that you must Listening. have had as a kid. Yeah. I actually, I know I say that I do it for a living now talking, but I'd actually say that the majority of my job is actually listening because if you don't listen, you don't actually get the the crux of a conversation and actually what the next question is. My job's the easiest job in the world if you just listen to what people are saying in front of you and then your questions come from that. Yeah, two ears, one mouth. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I, know. exactly. I don't know if that's a Man Manchester expression, but that's what my mum used to say to me because <laughs> I used to chat a lot as well. And in those days, were you kind of dreaming about a career in, was it football or was it presenting? What was kind of driving you as a young kid? I've always loved football. I was born into it, Man City fan from... The day I was born, my mum's got three brothers. Uh, my granddad came over from Northern Ireland and that was kind of it. They all supported Manchester City and I was born into that. And I think growing up wasn't the best being a Man City fan, uh, but it was always a love and a passion. When I was at high school, I actually wanted to be a PE teacher. So I had this kind of desire to want to go on to college, be a PE teacher. I think it was inspired by one of my teachers um, who I thought was incredible, who I really got on with. And I think that he understood me and I looked at him as kind of an inspiration. So I wanted to be a PE teacher. So it was always rooted in sport, but never really knew there was an avenue into it. When I was 15, I actually joined a theatre company because again, I just had this kind of passion. I wanted to go and perform and do things and, and have fun. So I went to contact theatre just off Oxford Road. And that was kind of where that passion and that love started for that. So I've I had this love for sport and for football, but then also started to develop this love for performance and for drama and theatre as well. So it's kind of a weird mix of different things. And then I got to 16 and it was quite weird because I didn't know what I wanted to do. I went to college uh, and I ended up going to Loretto just in Hume, but then also wanted to do drama and theatre studies. And I was the only one who hadn't done drama and theatre at GCSE level. 
but it was the one that I was most passionate about. And very quickly, I think I realized that actually this is what I wanted to do. And the kind of sport took a back seat in terms of wanting to be a PE teacher, but there was this new love and actually this new desire to be what I could be an actor. So what happened after that then? Went to college, but then my teacher, Mr. Cardillo, he actually passed away in between the first and second year, which was really weird. Um, because he was pushing me all along. I still remember the kind of first days of, of college and meeting him and him pushing me to do the kind of course, even though he knew that I hadn't done GCSE drama. Um, and then, yeah, he passed away between first and second year, which was strange. And second year was a weird mix of different teachers, different people coming in. We didn't really have one. And then we got one and he had trained as an actor as well. And this whole world opened up to me about auditioning for drama school. So then I was already working as an actor, auditioning because of stuff I'd done at Contact Theatre and started to go to London to audition for drama schools. But obviously being from Fallowfield and being from where I'm from, you feel a bit out of place. But that's one thing that I always had. Would I'd get up and go and just go and do it. Right, I've got to get a coach at four in the morning because I can't afford to get the train. So I get, get up, get to Victoria and then travel across London, get to all these different places in London and Essex and go and audition. And you're performing a modern monologue and a William Shakespeare monologue as well. It's just kind of think back now and God, that was 13 years ago. And I just go, wow, all right, I just went and did it. That's something that now I'm so passionate about with young people is go and do stuff, go have fun. A lot of kids from where I'm from, they don't do that. They don't get out, they don't leave. Fallowfield, they don't leave Manchester, they won't get a coach and go to London, why not? Because it is scary, it's hard to do that. And there's other barriers financially as well to go and do that. But something I learned from being very young is if you meet the right people, you talk to them, if they can see your passion, then they can help you. And I think there's lots of organisations in Manchester that are willing to do that. Definitely. And I think... Um... I said that to my kids, just speak to as many people as you can. It might not come to anything now, but make those connections and people will help you at some point if, you, if you're open and you're interested. It goes back to what I said about being able to talk and talking in school because when I was at school, yes, the teachers didn't necessarily like it and no, I didn't get it right all the time when I should be talking, but it was developing those communication skills that, well, when I got to college and I was at contact theatre, well, actually... I ended up going to India when I was 17 with Contact Theatre, meeting people there, which was part of a theatre festival called Contact in the World that they'd done. When I was 18, I heard about an opportunity to go to Pakistan and film a documentary out there with the British Council. But people are too afraid to even apply for these things. I get it. But because I had those skills of talking to people, you hear about things and then they'll help you do that. Mm. And then you go out there and you see in different parts of the world at such a young age. It just opens your eyes to actually go, wow, there's so much more than my postcode. There's so much more than my city. And I love Manchester. I don't live here now, but I'm literally back every single week for work and to see family and friends. But there's so much more. And that's what makes Manchester amazing, actually, is people come to Manchester but I think that people from Manchester should also go out there and show the world what we've got. Definitely. Takes with that Manc DNA. Exactly. Around yeah, the yeah, globe. Yeah. So a couple of things you said there. Clearly, we find this often in successful people. They've had somebody, a teacher that's inspired them, had been massively instrumental in the early part of their personal development. So sounds like you've had that. Yeah. I mean, there's been different people 
I think obviously my mum was kind of one of those people where she just pushed me to go and do stuff. And I think even now I laugh and I kind of think about times where she was maybe didn't want me to go out there because I would literally like, I'm going to London tomorrow for an audition and she's got to actually go, well, is that really safe to do that? You're 16 years old, how are you getting there? Um, but also allowing me to go and explore and feeling quite comfortable doing that in terms of going to the theatre, in terms of joining a theatre company. But then also teachers that allowed me to do that. I mentioned Mr. Smith and it's quite weird because I don't even know if he would even know this, but he got in touch with me last year. I think he'd seen some stuff I was doing and he dropped me a message on Twitter and I was like, this is weird. Like he's messaged me, but he was just someone that I looked up to in terms of not necessarily inspiring me, but more of just, oh, wow, he's, he's a cool guy. I feel like there's always been people there that have just kind of pushed me and allowed me to go on and do things that maybe someone at that age shouldn't be doing. Because at Contact Theatre, they instilled this really good ethic in me that actually you should get paid for what you're doing. Even if you're 15, 16 years old, I was running workshops. I was in being invited to go to London to do talks and representing young people and a young person's voice. And they made sure that I was being paid for those things. And actually that I was going there, my travel was being paid and you're getting half a day rate or a full day rate when you're earning £4.37, which was the minimum wage for a 16-year-old at those times, in a, and then you're actually you're earning 50 quid for an hour, you're going, what? People get paid this. And that really showed me that you can go out there and you can make a living from doing this. Uh, and there's opportunities to go out there and do that as well. So I'd say there's a mixture of different groups and different people that were there to show me that you can actually go on and do this, that you don't have to have the traditional nine to five. Nothing against that at all, but I just knew from leaving school, there's two things I said, was that I want to enjoy myself with whatever I do and I don't want to wear the same thing every single day. <laughs> <laughs> I was so passionate about that, I don't know why. Um, and yeah, that kind of came and I'm very lucky that I can say that I, I get to do that. Well, that's amazing. And I think Contact for it is obviously an incredible Manc institution, isn't it? I mean, it's the stories that have come out there and the people that have come and had great careers and made friends through Contact Theatre. But the point about being paid for your talent is so important because that's about self-esteem. My daughter's a singer-songwriter and she's working a number of jobs while she does perform at different places. But that's the one thing she said as an artist, it's quite often that you're seen it's your hobby. So mm. people don't want to pay you. Um, I'll give you this opportunity. Come on, it's it. great, it's great exposure. It. That's it. I'm sorry, but exposure's not going to buy me the latest pair of trainers <laughs> that I want. Or yeah. I've got EMA, I'm getting 30 quid a week. Exposure's not helping with that. Yeah. Uh, so that was something I was quite, yeah, at 16, 17, 18, when you, you are very lucky that you can just think about going out with your mates when you want to buy the latest trainers. You are thinking, you are thinking about yeah. those things. Let's be completely honest. You're not thinking about a mortgage and you're not thinking about paying the bills. You want to make sure you've got 20 pound credit and you want to make sure that you can go out and see your mates as well. And, um, I was very lucky that I was learning about sending invoices. I was learning about tax returns. I was learning about all these different things, paying tax, all this different stuff that you're not necessarily taught in school, but you're learning from the people around you and being at these kind of places and them giving you opportunities. And that was something that I learned from a young age and it does instill that into you of kind of, all right, well, I need to be organized now as well because I'm a business. And the way you conduct yourself then not just in being paid with your invoice, but how you approach yourself with different people, how you approach different people 
that's why they will want to work with you again. Yeah, well, that's your brand, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's really interesting. Absolutely, really interesting. Talking about opportunities, and and because obviously it's clear that you've grafted since you're a kid, and you've looked those opportunities, and you've joined the darts. You had a break, didn't you, with Manchester City? Yeah. Wanted you to come in. So how did that happen? That was weird. So I'd left drama school in 2014, and it wasn't until January 2015 that I'd ever done really anything presenting-wise. So I'd done a little bit for uh, this thing called Blue Moon Rising TV, which was just some videos for them. One of the people who worked there left and went and worked at Manchester City. Um and I was hounding him and the head of City TV, I got this email for Michael Russell and I said, I want to come in, can I do some stuff? Can I do some stuff? They were like, we'll wait, see what opportunities come up. And I always remember Michael, he rang me and I was actually doing some work for NCS, is it? Uh, during the summer, running some workshops. And I got a call from Michael and he said, Kyle, can you come and do this on this date? And I was actually running a, a workshop for the NCS and I said, oh, I can't do it. Kyle, will you come and do this? I think it's a great opportunity for you. I said, Michael, I can't do it. I've already got other work. I've been trying to get involved with stuff and now you give me this opportunity. I can't. I've actually got paid work on that day. He said, Kyle, whatever it is, try and move it. Come and do this opportunity for me. So I said, all right. So I went back to them, spoke to them. Might have annoyed them a little bit, but ended up doing like this half day thing for them which meant I was going there in the afternoon. But in the morning, I went, didn't know really what it was. It was at City's training ground and all these people were buzzing around and they were like, we're going to do this video. You're going to get in a taxi. Chappie, the um, kit man, he's going to pick you up. Chappie's taxi, he's done it with some of the footballers before and he's going to interview you. Cool, whatever, yeah. Took me to the Northern Quarter. Taxi stops and they say, Kyle, when you get in, watch your head because they're quite tall on the cameras that are above and put your seatbelt on. First two things you've got to do. Right, get in the taxi, watch my head. Oh, Pep Guardiola sat in the seat right there. Okay, I did not expect this. Just put my seatbelt on. And there's a point in the video where you just see me go, right, cool, Kyle, just be cool. And let's chat with him. Um, and it was the day that he's been unveiled as the Manchester City manager. The video came out, they liked it. And the events team got in touch with my acting agent at the time and said, oh, can Kyle come and host some stuff for us? Brilliant, another opportunity. So I started doing that for the season as well. And these were the like kids fan zones or something uh, where I basically, before the game, they invited loads of kids to come to free activities. And I was acting like an idiot on the mic, uh, having some fun, uh, which was great because yeah, I just got to have lots and lots of fun, was working for the club that I've supported all my life as well. And then from there, I got more and more opportunities. One of the other presenters, she went on maternity leave, uh, running City Square and being part of the presenting team there. And some people had started to see other things I was doing. I got one opportunity, which again, out of the blue, got a call from someone at Lad Bible and their presenter had gone on to Love Island. And they said, this was on a Friday. They said, can you come on Monday and can you come and meet us? Let's have a chat, have a coffee. Again, right, okay, got to pay 70 quid, get the train down. I've got to go and do this. But do you know what? It's worth it. I think this is going to be worth it. And you've got to put yourself out there. Get there on the Monday, travel to East London, I think it was, where the offices were. Walked in the door. The first thing they said, genuinely, hi, how are you doing? Yep. Are you free to interview Tiger Woods on Saturday? 
what? <laughs> yeah, of course I am. What? I will move anything I've got. Yes, I will. Uh, so that opportunity came around and then I was on the Saturday. I'd stayed in a hotel, was at Wembley, this massive Nike shoot that was happening. And I interviewed Tiger Woods. This video comes out, blows up. It's Tiger Woods. This is incredible. So do that opportunity as well. So it feels like all throughout this summer, loads of different things are happening. I'm getting so many different opportunities. And then I'm doing stuff at Man City and a producer from BBC Radio Manchester sees me, comes and speaks to me, Sarah Collins. She says, Kyle, uh, I've just seen the stuff you're doing. I think my boss, she'd really like you. So can you come and meet her? And I go, yeah, could do. Yeah, of course, I'll, I'll come in for a coffee or anything. Not knowing who it, this really is. All I've got the name is Kate Squire. All right, you're going to go meet Kate. She's she's a boss or something. I didn't have a clue, genuinely. And I was speaking to a few people and they said, oh no, she's the editor at BBC in Manchester. Like, she's like the top. I was like, okay, all right. I, I'm going for this meeting with her. I don't know what what is going to be said. So I have a few meetings and I end up getting offered a radio show again out of nowhere and they're bringing back the evening shows on bbc radio manchester they've got a range of different voices from manchester and they wanted me to do the thursday night so then i start panicking a little bit because i'm like what i've got to commit to this like this is a bit weird i've never had anything where i'm actually got to commit every thursday seven until ten i'm going to be on that radio yeah which was a bit weird and i was like okay right now i've been freelance and doing all these amazing things I've got this opportunity. And I always explain to anyone that says, I just say, it's like a game of chess, this whole thing. People think it's ups and downs. I don't, I disagree. I think you move one piece and then something else happens. You move another piece, like you're moving lots of different pieces at different times. So I got this opportunity and I took it and I went with it. And then I started to fall in love with radio. I'd never done radio before. Um, but I learned how to drive a desk. I learned all the incredible people at uh, BBC Radio Manchester. Uh, and you just start to, again, you're meeting people, you're getting these different opportunities. And it was nothing to do with sport at first. It was just getting young people in to talk on the radio, playing music, talking about different topics that are happening in the world that are affecting young people. Um, again, another incredible opportunity and was just this is what I say right now because I've not trained to be a journalist, although I'm doing those qualifications now. I've not done all of that, but I've worked in local radio. And when you've worked in local radio, let me tell you, anything can happen when you're on air and you're getting people calling you up, you're getting tweets in and texts and you're getting music on and then more and more opportunities and you kind of learn by doing it. Um, and that was incredible. I did that show for two years and then another great opportunity came up was to take the sport at six show and they wanted to go in a different direction they asked me to come and be involved with that and then talking balls came about which was all about man city man united and all things football in manchester um and then yeah it kind of was a whirlwind two years doing that and then i left that last may and so many plates spinning there, like you say, for a young person as well, yeah. because you've got a, you're, you're your own business, aren't you? So I looked at your um, your Instagram this week, and oh gosh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh okay, 
And you said, let me see, you said it was like your first day at school this week. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, and yeah. That, just look at the smile. It says it all. A dream come bloody <laughs> true. And I have to say, when I do see you, I always see, like in town, I see you smile first of all. Always, I was like, there he yeah, is, across yeah. Market I'm always Street. smiling. You're always yeah, smiling. Yeah. So tell me what's behind that smile this week then. How do so, you feel? Well, this week, I've been working with Sky Sports News for gosh after I left my radio show last year but this week I joined the breakfast show so good morning sports fans which is an iconic show that's been going for so long and it kind of it joins a nice list of kind of iconic shows that I watched growing up which is quite nice that I've actually worked on from football focus to match of the day to yeah good morning sports fans now so seven until 10 in the mornings, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I've joined that kind of team and it's a bit different. I'm a third presenter. They've only ever had two presenters on. So they're trying something quite different, but yeah, it's quite exciting. I moved to London at the start of this year um, because I was offered a contract at Sky Sports News. And then, yeah, this opportunity came up and they asked me to be involved in the morning shows, which four o'clock I get up, I get in the studio for five and then we prep and plan and we get on air at seven. But it's been a great week. I feel like I've got a smile on my face now just talking about it because, yeah, it's so exciting. Um, and it feels like a different strand and a different journey from being that kid who was obviously running workshops and doing different stuff and, again, spinning so many different plates. I feel like I've got to a point now where it's a different journey for me because I found an organisation that, I love working and being a part of, but also actually I can see a future there and there's so many different strands to this one organization, but actually where I am now, I feel content, which is scary. Don't get, because when you're freelance, I think the being content is such a frightening word and that isn't just work, that's life, that's relationships, that's all these different things because you're moving at a hundred miles an hour that standing still sometimes can feel like, well, I've got bills to pay next month. How am I going to do that? So I've had to shift that mindset. But now I've got something where I am looking forward to being part of it for hopefully a long time. So do you feel more secure in a way? But you also the security gives you a little bit of kind of anxiety because you've been used to having to always be looking for the next opportunity. Yeah, I feel like it's only been the last year really that I've kind of understood that security which don't get me wrong, I think has probably hindered other stuff within life because you kind of get worried about, well, I've got this. Oh, well, I can't go on a date with you because I'm working until four weeks time. So then, whereas now I feel like I've kind of got to that point where I understand that balance a bit more. I turned 30 this year as well, which is frightening. Uh, but turning 30 as well has made me look at things and go, well, you've worked so hard, even just presenting over the last seven, eight years, that you can now start to enjoy these things and not feel bad when you've got a day off because you get up at four o'clock in the morning on a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And yeah, kind of finding that balance and, and actually just enjoying yourself. And that word security, I think, is definitely something that I now feel because it's not just secure within me being content where I am, but actually secure within an organisation that you can work there and you feel comfortable there and every day you go in and you actually enjoy it. Mm. And so do you ever have those like, you know, pinch yourself moments when you actually think, you know, I can't quite believe where I am now and it's everything that you kind of dreamed of? Um, not as much. I've had a few. I'm quite weird, kind of. I've got this weird saying that 
yeah, people always like laugh at me about, I just say never too high, never too low. So I never try to enjoy the high moments too much and I never try to get too down with the low moments because you'll move on and those kind of feelings will come and go. Uh, but there's been a few times that I can think of now. I remember the first time I was on Match of the Day. This is a show that I used to stay up until on a Saturday night and watch everything and fall asleep. So I'd wake up and on a Sunday morning, I was working as part of um, the community features, so going to different football clubs. And on a Sunday, they'd show these features that we'd made, highlighting all the amazing work that the clubs are doing in the community. And I just kind of remember... There was one day <laughs> where, or one weekend, I should say, where I'd been on Football Focus. So I'd done a feature for Football Focus on Saturday. So that's 12 until 1, I think it was. Then I was working with Five Live in the afternoon. So I was at a football club. So I'd watched the Football Focus feature from this football club. I was reporting from the football club. And then on the Sunday, <laughs> I was um, on Match of the Day in the morning so I was actually working in London this entire weekend and I just remember watching myself on all these different programs going wow like these are ones that I've genuinely or watched or listened to as a kid so that was a pinch myself moment and then I always remember my granddad he would watch something and I just remember him saying like oh god I'm so proud of like because he's got he got me into football like without him I was going to games at Main Road with him um, and my uncles and stuff like that and kind of yeah so having him watch stuff and still to this day he still does it he'll like put Sky Sports News on and he'll be like oh yeah watch this or watch that and that's the weirdest thing that's what gets me the most is that people watch this stuff <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sometimes you forget about it like you just kind of you doing it so yeah people watch it so your family's obviously very proud of you and that's um that's great isn't it you kind of feel like you're sometimes doing it for your family yeah it's a, it's a weird one because I obviously love what I do so that kind of validation comes from doing that and actually I get to enjoy what I do and I genuinely do sometimes forget that people do watch this but and watch all the stuff that I do because then you go to the game and I like to still go to the games. I've got a season ticket still and I sit near my cousin and I'll go for a few drinks before and after and you kind of have that moment, you're like, oh, people, oh yeah, you have Sky Sports or I'll watch this or I'll watch that. Um, and my cousin and my brothers and stuff like that who I go with, when people ask me for a photo, I'm just like, oh God, all right, yeah, like, I'm just trying to have a pint here, but okay, of course. Um, and I, I, I don't, I'm like, what? I'm just a kid from Fallowfield. Why are you asking me for a, a picture? But they always laugh and they joke and they kind of, yeah, my cousin, every time we go out, someone will be like, oh, that's Kyle, oh, fake Kyle Walker. There's only two Kyle Walkers, all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. And he kind of like laughs at it all the time. But I think that sometimes he's like, you're just my cousin. What is this? I know, it's yeah. amazing. But obviously it had such a kind of an impact on people, you know, and, and people can relate to it. It's amazing. The biggest one I had, it was during the, it wasn't, it was it the Euros last year? I was at, it was actually at Box Park near Wembley and there was a thing called Crep City, which I, I, I love my trainers. So yeah, I could talk about trainers all day, <laughs> but kind of I was at this event just with my mates and it was during the Euros, I think, or the Euros had just happened and I was working on Good Morning Euros with Sky Sports News. And I just remember this guy came up to me and he was like, oh, my son watches you every day. And he he doesn't get to see people who look like him on TV. And his son was like there, he was upstairs and he came down and stuff. And that was one thing I was like, oh, wow, actually, yeah, people watch me and I like to have a laugh. I like to have fun. I'm talking about football, but... 
that shows that they can go on and do that as well. Um, because over the years, how many people that look like me have been on Sky Sports? There's a few that you can name, definitely. But actually, there's not many. And sometimes I forget about that. And I don't see myself as a role model or anything like that at all. But I do understand that having those faces on TV means something to people. And being able to show people that a kid from... Fallowfield, I nearly said the street, I was probably bring up on there, I'm not going to say that, uh, but that a kid from Fallowfield um, can do that, and actually I can say it, because my mum doesn't even live there anymore, but my cousin always says this, he'll always comment it on, you can go through my Instagram, you'll know what, who my cousin is, because they always comment, just a kid from Waverton, and I grew up on Waverton Road, um, and that's what he always says, he says, just you're just a kid from Waverton Road, and you're doing these things, and that go. sometimes I forget that, but there are people that are growing up in England and in Manchester that do look like me, that are younger, that will see me possibly and go, oh, well, I could go on and do that. How how do I do that? And I always get those all the time messages on Instagram. How do I do this? How do I do that? And I actually believe that for now, I wouldn't say it's easier, but it's more accessible for young people to do these things because of social media, because of smartphones, because of all those different opportunities that you can get just using those, make the content, go and do it. Although I'll add the caveat, I'm very guilty of forgetting everything that I've done as well. I don't enjoy it as much as I possibly should because I'm thinking about what's next. There's times where I've probably gone, oh, I should have enjoyed that more. But I was going, oh, right, well, I've got to be at this shoot now. I'm getting picked up. There's a car picking me up, taking me across London. And then I've got to go to this next shoot. And then I've got to get to Birmingham for and jump in a hotel. And then I've got this shoot tomorrow. So I definitely do contradict a lot that I say as well sometimes because I'm, I'm not always in the moment. You've, you're always thinking about what's next. Mm, no, I can see that. We need to talk about the other Kyle Walker. <laughs> And on your Twitter bio, you also presenting at a footballer. Oh, gosh. Um, and people still don't listen. <laughs> I'm not a footballer. I'm not him. I promise you. Yeah. Well, he might be saying soon on his Twitter, I'm a, I'm a footballer, not a presenter. Well, it's funny. <laughs> I actually saw him. I interviewed him a couple of weeks ago. And he was taking the mick a little bit because he was going, oh, I'm Kyle Walker, the presenter. Like, and he, <laughs> yeah. he was like walking around having a bit of fun with that. Um, but yeah, the first time I actually met him, I was working at Man City. And I was just in for a meeting. And I remember, again, the head of City TV said, it's on, Kyle's here. There'd been rumours about him signing at Man City. He's like, you're going to go and chat to him. So he'd done his like first club interview. And then we did a thing where we just sat down and we chatted about him being at Manchester City and stuff. And it was Kyle meets Kyle. And yeah, that was five years ago, which is blows my mind to, to think of kind of his journey at Manchester City where I've gone from working at Man City and doing this interview with him where I literally had to borrow someone's jacket I remember there's a picture of me and him and I've got this City jacket on and it's not even mine because I was just in for a meeting to go from there to now interviewing him for Sky and Sky Sports last week it's quite a funny yeah, journey and kind of Kyle meets Kyle five years later. It's but brilliant. People it, on Twitter, if he has a bad game, if, he's, if he does anything... <laughs> you get it in the neck. Oh my gosh, yeah, I'm the one who gets it and people forget <laughs> that, yeah. And tell me about the Euros this summer because obviously, I mean, that's been a game changer for women and, and young girls, hasn't it? So how's that been to be involved in that? Oh, incredible. Um, 
the Euros obviously last year were amazing as well. And I worked on Good Morning Euros, kind of the first, one of the first things I'd done with Sky Sports News. And I was just out and about every single day capturing how good it felt to be around the UK at that time um, during the Euros. And then this year I was asked to come and present and they had this idea they were going to kit out a double-decker bus and they were going to send it to all the different cities that the Lionesses that England were playing in. So we started off in Manchester. It was, of course, raining. And we were on the top of this double-decker bus and that's where we did the full morning show from. And I was one of the only presenters that kind of stayed on it throughout the entire tournament. But it just meant that I got to go to Manchester, I got to go to Brighton, I got to go to Southampton, uh, I got to go to Wembley as well and experience every single city that was, yeah, hosting a match for the Lionesses and just what a tournament it was. I've worked with some of them through Man City and through stuff at England as well and kind of seeing them about. And I think that this summer they've really captured not just the, the minds, but the hearts as well of kind of people of like, yes, they've won a tournament. First time we've done that in such a long time as a nation, but also actually women's football and young girls and young boys following these teams and these people. And they've come out and spoke about so many different issues during the tournament as well. And then just to top it off, they've won the whole thing as well. And the celebrations were amazing. And I think that the entire kind of country saw that. And don't get me wrong, there's always going to be people that are going to have a negative opinion about it. I've not got time for those people. Don't even want to entertain them. Um, but I think that what it's done is just shine such a positive light. And it feels like there's so much hype around it and so much excitement around it as well. And I'm so passionate about that because it links with everything that I've talked about with giving young people an opportunity, but we should be giving these incredible girls and these incredible women opportunities as well and showing them and showcasing what they can do and all the amazing things they've done uh, and they're continuing to do. Uh, so that's something that I'm yeah passionate yeah, about. It's been absolutely amazing to watch. It's been great. Um, just in terms of we talked a bit about relationships and obviously that's something that we know in Manchester I think we're great at building those relationships. It takes an army, doesn't it, of people to get you to a place in your career or to, you know, for, even for a fulfilling life. We can't do it on our own. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I mean, is anybody particularly that, you know, you feel that, I know you mentioned your mum and you mentioned some of your teachers, but... Who do you really would say that has been there for you to kind of pull you up or push you on? Friends are always kind of one. My best mate, Jamie, he's kind of one of those that we just talk about things. And, and actually, even if it's not work related, you can kind of just get away from that. And you can go for food, you can go for a drink. It's a time, downtime is super important. I still, even when I'm back in Manchester, I go to my nana and granddad's for a cup of tea most weeks and as, as much as I can, because those are the things that I've always done. Um, so it's just having those people around me. Obviously, COVID was weird and lockdown was weird because I was so busy and it was a nice actual period because I was living with friends at the time. So we would have that. But also I was so busy with work because I was still on the radio. I was still working remote and doing lots of stuff remotely as well. But it actually gave me some time to have those friendships again with my two mates that I was actually living with. I've known for such a long time and we were actually spending, forced to spend so much time together as well. So that was something that was quite nice, being forced to take time away from work because work has been priority for a long time. Um, and yeah, I think that at times that's definitely been a positive, but other times 
you know, it comes at a, a cost as well. It's interesting, isn't it? Because um, we talk about the bank account. And I think it's you're trying to keep with those relationships going to make sure there's more, you know, you put more in than you take out. And sometimes, you know, you, you have to take out, don't you? You have to make some of those debits. Mm. But it's just that balance. And we have friendships, you know, good friendships, I think, are those where you can, you don't have to speak to each other for a long time, but you just know that you've got each other's back. Yeah. Because, like, you know, you, there's so much pressure on you as a young person to have to develop your career. So, you know, it's understandable that you have to give it so much. Also, I think that it's because I really enjoy it. Mm. Like, if I didn't have this much passion for what I actually do i don't think i'd probably sacrifice as much and when you throw that in with your friends when you throw that in with hobbies as well going to the gym drinking enough water getting eight hours sleep and a social life plus you want to work all the time as well and take all the opportunities it's difficult so sometimes you kind of spinning all those plates one will fall but it's actually about understanding that and then you spin that plate and another one will fall and kind of taking time and making sure that you do and my friends do know that when they've got that time and that attention if I say I'm going to be there unless something huge comes up I'll be there and if that means driving the length of the country to be there and then I've got to drive back to be somewhere else tomorrow I don't mind doing that for my friends because I enjoy doing those things as well because we have a value, as you've been chatting, one that really stands out for me is do what you say you'll do when you said you'll do it, the yeah. way you said you'll do it. And mm. I really get that impression from you. It's very, it's that integrity is really important to you, isn't it? Yeah, I think that probably some people would maybe disagree because I've had to say no to things, but that's part of your integrity as well, well is actually saying no and, and being honest about it. And I think that Another one of the values that really stuck out when I was looking at them is about owning up to those mistakes. You don't always get it right. So yes, you can have your integrity, but that doesn't always mean that you're right with that. But at the time, you believe that you are, and actually, that's what you wanted to do. So that's okay. Whatever the circumstances are and whatever the consequences are of that, you have to face up to those as well. Um, and I think that that's something I really try to do. There's another value that you had that, really jumped out to me um there's lots of kind of blanks in it yeah but there's one and i'm not afraid to say it. i actually so when i was working and this was there was a point where i was working and my whole life was dedicated to work because i'd come out of a relationship in 2014 and i was like right i'm just focusing on work i was living with one of my mates and then he who now is actually his baby's due today which is my my best mate i was living with him and he said kyle i'm gonna move in with with my girlfriend i was like oh, what am i gonna do moved in with these other two friends and i just knew i wanted to work 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 and i had this you know one of those boards that kind of you can change the letters on mm -hmm. and you can kind of light and it's got a light yeah. and all this and i had a saying it said don't be a dick <laughs> and that was something every day i woke up to it and it's one of the things that I still try to live my life based on kind of whatever you do, whether it's integrity, whether it's owning up to your mistakes, don't be a dick. And, I, and that's one of those things where kind of I'm super passionate about it. Don't get me wrong. I have been, I yeah. can be. But then we have admit it, fix it, move on. Exactly. Well, we know yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. and that's something that uh, I definitely, yeah, I know I've been in the wrong and I have done that. But then you admit it, you exactly. fix it and you move on because you're not going to get things 100% right 100% of the time. And that's okay. And it, again, it links in with never too high, never too low. Mm. When you get it right, 
okay, you move on and you do the next mm. thing and you try and do that right and to the best of your ability and your standards. When you get it wrong, you move on, you try and do it again, the best of your ability to the best of your standards and that's it. And I think I try and take that into most things that I do. Mm, I can really see that. I love that. We're so aligned on those <laughs> things. <laughs> so, okay, I'm going to ask you uh, some quick fire questions now. Oh, so, gosh. I like to talk. So, yeah. quick fire answers. <laughs> Favorite city player? Wow. Oh, oh that's difficult. <laughs> Sean Wright Phillips. What do you miss most about Manchester now you're living in London? Do you know, what I miss most is it feels like my city. I was here a couple of weeks ago and I was walking around and I was like, this is home and I feel home here. I feel at home. Don't get me wrong where I live. I live in a very nice part of London and I very rarely have to go into Central. So I kind of stick to my area and I know it really well. But this is home. If you need to get to the Etihad, I can tell you how to get there. If you need to get back to Fallowfield, I know the best route to get there. If you've not got your car and you need to jump on the bus, I know what bus to get. These are all things that I've learned growing up and it's got so many incredible memories here as well. And just looking out, I can look at different places right now where I've got memories in that building over there because my ex-girlfriend lived over there and I've got memories there because one of my friends lived in, lives in that building right now. I've got so many different memories of this city that I've not built that in London just yet. So I come back here and it feels like home. And it does. And that's one of the things I think I've really began to realise. I've got to be in London for work, but I don't think I'll ever settle in London because this is home right here. What do you order at the chippy? Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Right. If I'm going to go to the chippy, I'm hungry right now as well. Uh, chips and curry. Um, depends what mood I'm in. All right. Chips and curry, maybe a scallop as well. Um, and they're not the fish ones. <laughs> and then, see, do you know I'm actually a fan, right, of fish and chips with curry sauce yeah, as well? me too. I'm going to say... Fish and chips with curry sauce and a scallop as well. What place, sound or person sums Manchester up most for you? Uh, I don't know why this has jumped out to me. My mum leaning out the window shouting, uh, tea's ready. Uh, that's kind of, yeah, I don't know why. I can just picture being on the Astro outside my house. And yeah, I feel maybe because it's the end of the six weeks holidays right now. Just yeah, every night, tea's ready. And you'd run in, oh, get your tea, I and then it. run back out. <laughs> I think we could all in this room relate yeah, to that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a proper bank thing. Yeah. Come in, your tea's ready. So lastly, um, I just want to touch on legacy before we finish. The work you've done, as I say, already is incredible. And what you've packed in, like you're only 30, is amazing. And so many young people inspired by you. But when you look, say, in 10, 20 years' time, what imprint do you want to have left on Greater Manchester and the, the wider world? More of an imprint from myself that I think would have an impact on other people of being happy and enjoying myself and actually showing that if you do everything with a smile, if you don't be a dick, if you take things head on and if you enjoy things every single day to the best of your abilities, because some days it's not enjoyable, some days it's not fun, some days you just want to chill and not work. But knowing all of that, that legacy that 
I've been someone that has kind of gone out there and really pushed to do something that I enjoy every single day. And if I can show young people that they can go out and do that, if I can show friends and family, it doesn't even have to be young people, that you can do what you are passionate about. And if I can inspire people to find what they're passionate about, whatever that is, doesn't have to be what I do, but just anything that they're passionate about, that they should go and do it. Because life is too short sometimes. And actually, why would you want to go and do something every single day if it doesn't make you happy? And I think that's very privileged to say that because I know that my mum being a single parent and plenty of people in this city are struggling right now. So it's very easy to say, go out there and find what you do and be passionate about it. That isn't putting the chippy tea on the table. That isn't actually paying the bills. But if you can find a way to combine the two, you're going to live a very happy life because it can be fun. And when you enjoy what you do and when you love what you do, there's not a better feeling in the world. Mm. There's absolutely no doubt that you absolutely love what you do. And that megawatt <laughs> smile we see down Market Street, um, I think completely inspirational. And, and just chatting to you today, my dad used to say there's plenty of room at the top because a lot of people just either don't believe they can get there or they won't put the graft in. And, you know, what you're showing young people is that if you graft and you talk to people those opportunities are out there so thank you and thank you for helping us to build the city no thank you for having me on kyle walker built this city by turning talking into his career by being the kid who did from waverton road and by being never too high and never too low On the next episode of We Built This City, you're going to hear from another amazing born, bred or adopted Manc. That episode will be available on the 29th of September. And if you want to find out more how Roland Dransfield can help you drive your values and create relationships that build your business success, then head over to rdpr.co.uk. Or you can find us on Instagram at Roland Dransfield or Twitter at rdprtweets. Or feel free to give us a call at the office on the same number we've had for 25 years on 0161 236 1122. And in the meantime, don't forget to rate, review and follow We Built This City. Thank you.